2: And welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared. And on tonight's Tim Talk podcast, I'm joined by Willie Innes. How are you, Willie?
1: I'm doing not bad, Jared. How are you, man?
2: Yeah, pretty good, Willie. Pretty good, all things considered. Uh, Looking forward to having a bit of a chat about you and uh, chat with you about your lifetime following Celtic. So, well, on the Tim Talks, we just usually just talk to Celtic fans. We're going through our podcast roster at the moment to give your listeners a bit of a, uh, bit more of an in-depth on all of us as the podcasters on the show. So, Willie, how did you become a Celtic fan?
1: Yeah, um, I think one of the main reasons is all my family supports Rangers. So that's probably one of the biggest ones. My uncle's a Celtic supporter. I'm a Celtic supporter. My nephew's a Celtic supporter. I suppose growing up, there was a competition between my dad and my uncle. Well, he's going to support Celtic, he'll support Rangers and... I chose Celtic. There's also I remember having a conversation with a friend at a very early age, and he was convincing me Celtic were the better team. And then there was the big day when I went had to go and pick the first football top I was going to get, and there was a choice between the blue and the green and white one. And the green and white one came home with me that day. So, wow,
2: there's a supporter ever since. Win for the good guys.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Aye.
2: Yeah. So, um. Yeah. Just whereabouts. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself as well, so that whereabouts you grew up and, yeah, you know, going down to Celtic Games and stuff like that? Just gives us a little bit of a spiel there.
1: Uh, now, I grew up on the very north coast of Scotland, so getting down to Celtic Games was a bit um, difficult. I didn't actually get down to Games until I was in my late teens, early 20s, sort of, maybe early 20s, actually, before I started getting down to Games is. Was- Always that time versus money thing. When you had the time, you didn't have the money. And when you had the money, you didn't have the time. Right? so. Um, but growing up and all around me is Highland League football. Everyone is in a sort of Highland League teams. And even growing up, Ross County and Inverness, two different Inverness teams at the time. So your team was always going to be very far from home. Even I think Aberdeen and St. Johnson would have been the most closest teams to me that were league teams. So, yeah. Very far, far away from a lot of things up there in the north, but beautiful part of the country. Really beautiful.
2: Happy days. So Willie, we've had a uh, recently had a change of manager at Celtic. So how do you look back on Ange's time at the club?
1: I uh, I look back on Ange's time with great fondness. It's it's going to be one of the the, the managerial reigns that I'll always remember. He was. Phenomenal for us, like that never say die attitude. You know what I mean? Just the dynamic style of football. It was fast pace. It was exciting. It was they never gave up, playing till the final whistle. I just really, really enjoyed the way just ethos on the game and how it should be played, and I thought it suited Celtic down to a tee.
2: It's good to hear, and um, with Brendan coming, Rogers coming back to the club. What are you looking forward to the most about him returning?
1: I think it's a continuation of the domination because I can't see Brendan Rodgers coming up here and doing anything else. He he is a top drawer coach. I know I've had my say over the weeks about how he departed and how it left a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth. But we've got the best candidate possible there to come forward and take the job, and um, it should be really interesting to see what he's learned since he's been away and if he can progress us to that next level in Europe. See if it is ready. For him to try and progress, take the next steps with us.
2: Yeah, I think that's the main thing for all of us. Like, he's, what, he wins seven, seven out of seven trophies in his time at the club. So it's not like, domestically we, we're you know we're too worried on that front. It's more a matter of what's he going to do for the club, in Europe and, because in my opinion, Europe, what we do in Europe, if we do well and we strengthen for Europe, that'll take care of itself back in the league. Yeah.
1: Yeah definitely I mean if you want to be focused on Europe you've got to get the right sort of players and that sort of players they're not going to they're not going to mince about in Scotland they'll get results in Scotland as well as Europe you know what I mean so it all sort of goes hand in hand for me good runs in Europe we'll we'll see good runs in the league at the same time so yeah um, like I say Brendan Rodgers I think it will be a continuation of the domination so I can't see I can't see it being any other way to be honest with you I think we've the, the board have acted really, really well and made a smart move getting Brendan Rogers back, and hopefully it'll be another fruitful spell for him there in charge of us. Like,
2: yeah, there was definitely no pussyfooting around when they went to sign him. They're like, here's the candidate, here's the guy they want, and they yeah. made it happen. So, um, yeah, like I've said on our pod normal that I think I wasn't a fan of of Rogers. like I don't... But he was the best candidate, so oh, now he's in the door. We we back him, and we back the team, and off we go.
1: Yeah, I don't think they spoke to anyone else. of my personal opinion on it, like I think all the paper talk or Enzo Maresca's and the Knutson's and all that, I just think they went straight to Rogers. Right, mate, Ange leaving. We want you back, and it's going to happen. And I think they've they've acted very very swiftly. I think it was like fourteen days between Ange's exit, Ange winning the cap and leaving, and Rogers being back in charge. So. Good to the board for the Swift moving. and
2: Yeah. I think the talk was, there was a whole bunch of other names, but the only other one they actually spoke to was Fark. I think that was it because they yeah, didn't want to yeah. get into the Eddie Howe situation where all the eggs were in one basket. So I think he was the only one that they spoke to other than Rogers. And um, the only thing we missed out on with Fark was a whole bunch of good puns for podcast names.
1: Hi, I know. Uh, Tim, Dangerous one.
2: (laughs) So what's your take on the club structure at the moment, Willie? Uh, Do you think everything's been set up and modernised while under Ange over the last few years? Or do you think we need a director of football at the club? Or is Mark Lawwell already doing that role?
1: I think it looks pretty much like Mark Lawwell is doing that role. It is sort of one I would like to get in there. So if there is going to be sort of a notice period, for the manager leaving, that another manager will be underway, pretty swiftly, like we have done this time. Um, but the structure seems to have, like, since Lennon left, I think the structures moved forward leaps and bounds. I think the board took a lot, a lot of heavy criticism for the way that we were being run under the the, the ten season when Lennon was in charge, and it everything just sort of fell apart that year. And I think the board acted quite swiftly. We got um. We got the new director, not director of football, what was it, chairman, not chairman, um, what's his name, Peter Lawal, uh, what's oh, that say? It? the CEO. Aye, the CEO, that's it, I'm struggling to get that one. Aye, aye, we got the new CEO, he came in and he went out quick, quickly and then Nicholson took charge and Lowell came on board and we seen um, the stats man from Benfica came on board and it just seems to. They seem to have realised. Look, we've been dragging our heels and we're behind. The, we're behind everyone now. Like was in the same sort of, same sort of level as us before, and they're all sort of starting to get ahead of us, and we need to start acting swiftly. And they have done. I think the only area that really would need to be improved is the youth development. I don't see enough players coming through. I know they get poached. Quite the, the really top ones get poached. There should be a bit more coming through the youth development side of it, right? but that's something they can work on. You know, what I mean, they've got the B team there now. Maybe in a couple of years' time, we'll start to see some sort of fruition from that. But at the moment, it just seems to be lagging a little bit behind. That's the only area I would say we're really struggling with. I
2: have to agree with you on that, Willie. Like the um the youth development thing is probably the the biggest cause. If we develop good quality players, and then they're leaving. At age 15, 16, because they know there is no real pathway from the Colts through to the senior team.
1: Yeah, I think it's difficult because they've got that Colts team there, but it's not it's not a very high standard of football. It's it's, and then we we would like them to be in the second division or the first division or to push on to get trying to get promotion to the Scottish Championship, but that's never going to happen. And the reserve leagues, done and dusted. They're never going to get in there either. Like so. It's kind, of, it's kind of a difficult one for them to try and progress anything because they haven't got the competition in front of them to try and push them on to the next level. So loading players out can be good. It can also be detrimental too. So it's a very difficult situation, but it is certainly something that we need to be looking at to try and progress, I would think, in some way or another, if we can.
2: Yep, yeah. 100%. So how do you think our recruitment has been over the last 12 to 18 months as a club?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been really really good. I mean, we've got players in cheap, we've got them in on decent contracts, we've got them in on reasonable rates for wages and stuff like that. It's been really good. There's been very few misses, to be honest with you. I think McCarthy, you could probably put down as a miss on um, Abelgard, but they were both through the circumstances. I think McCarthy came in because we needed anyone at that given time, and he was available. And Abelgard, well, the whole situation with Russia and Ukraine escalated, and he became available and was worth a punt, like, and it didn't work. So it's hardly a, a big flop, and big money lost on it. Like so, I, mean, I think been really one. good, yeah. Really,
2: would be the only other one. Who's that? Itohuchi. He'd be the only other one. Ah,
1: oh, oh, yeah, Itohuchi. Of- yeah, yeah, it's a shame, but he, he, thats a hollow, wouldn't it? They out and injured him straight away, like yeah, first game injured. Yeah. Couldn't break into the squad, then goes
2: back to Japan, first game there, breaks his leg.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a real shame. I think he's heading back to us now. That says loan over there will be finished too, yeah? Oh, end of the season. So come December would
2: be when he's yeah. loans up. 12 month. So calendar year le- uh, loan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a shame, mate. Right? I mean, he is obviously a talented player. It just didn't work for him here, right? It's an awful shame, mate, right? because you see the success that Mieda, Hitati, and Furuhashi have had, like, it's just a shame it couldn't work out for him too. Though.
2: Yep, 100%. What current players at the club do you think will be moving on in the next six to 12 months?
1: Um, In the next 12 months, I kind of think Abada will move on. Hitati will probably be subject to some heavy bids for. Maybe Carl Starfelt and Joe Hart, whose contract will end this time next year, will probably... Move along, other than you got the all souls that should be moved on, like the sorrows and the yetis and McCarthy, and up. But for me, the big four that you would it would be a Bada Hatati, Hart, and Starfelt. Like,
2: yep, I have to agree on that. I think the talk is Joe Hart's already said in the interview that he wants on his deals up here, he wants to go back to Shrewsbury Town and finish his career there, where he started it off at his first club. So we already know that once he's He's got this season, I think, under contract and that's it now. So maybe yeah. this year and next year. So he'll, he'll be for the off pretty soon too. But, yeah, the majority of them, it'll all come down if they get the right bid. Um, the other one I'd add to that would be Turnbull because he's got a year left yeah. in his deal. Yeah. And I don't really know how he fits into the, the current squad. So he's one that we could potentially see move on reasonably soon. But... It also wouldn't shock me if we randomly extended him.
1: Yeah, but they seem to be the order of the day, isn't it? Everyone's getting a new contract as, as it goes. Like, I see the the memes of James McCarthy's new deal have been out there <laughs> crack up, like
2: just driving people insane just to stitch him up. I love
1: it. but I, but, uh, so- yeah, I think Starfelt he might be looking for a move to Lisbon, but well, just just signed for Sporting so. <laughs> Could be a move over there for him, if he can get it. Oh, well. blame, you wouldn't blame him either. You know what I
2: mean? As long as we replace and strengthen the same way we did when Juranovic went out and Johnson come in, as long as we upgraded a similar sort of standard like that move, I'm, I'd be okay with it. But
1: Exactly that. Like.
2: I still think he's, him, he's probably the second best centre-back in Scotland, so it'll be a bit of a loss losing him, but it is what it Hi. is.
1: He's a fantastic defender. See for ball winning, there's no better. Like, he really is. But just every now and again, he just has this little moment and it's just, oh, what are you doing, man? Play the ball. It's, just it's, focus, focus.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uyara, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Samunovic did it. Um, Benkovic, when he was in, was like that. Yeah. I think the last centre-back pairing where we had two next, Richard, that didn't have one guy like that, was when we had Virgil playing alongside Denier.
1: Ah, uh, was really was some 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 good defending and that too it was there, and then you had like, Mistrakovich as well. He was another one who was prone to just absolutely just fresh air in it. You're just like, oh, what yeah. happened there, buddy. Like?
2: Yeah, it's been a bit like that, so um, we'll see how it all plays out there. But yeah, yeah. I still think Starfelt's quality, but
1: I do. I, I actually I think the partnership he has with. CCV is it, really, really good. And it's just a pity they didn't really get a chance to play in Europe together last season because one was injured or out, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think we played one game last season with Jens and um, Stephen Welsh at centre-back. Like, so.
2: Yeah, Jens played the majority of them. But yeah, another thing on that is Kobayashi, with him there, like he copped a bunch of pelters to the end of the season. But I actually reckon in a Rogers system, he is the, you know, when we signed Rogers signed Jack Hendry before he left because he wanted that elegant ball playing, yeah. Back, Kobayashi is the Jack Hendry style that Rogers was trying to recruit before he left to go to Leicester. Yeah. So I think Kobayashi actually suits the way Brendan wants his teams to play as a centre back. So yeah. he could jump from him. So yeah, 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 yeah I
1: agree with that.
2: Three starting quality centre backs, and we can yeah. just rotate. Yeah.
1: I don't know. We'll see it'd be interesting to see I mean he was getting bullied a wee bit, but then he's played a season and a half. You know what I mean? He's he's another one of these players that's come in and he's played a full season and he's has to do another half season with us. So yeah. or he's done a half season in Japan and played a full season with us, so he's played the full season and a half. Yeah. He may be just tired. Maybe put him to the gym over the summer, get him on the gains, bulk him up a bit, like that Ryan Christie diet, chicken and rice, as you were saying last week. <laughs>
2: Chicken rice and broccoli, get him on it, get him bulked uh, up. Yeah. just yeah, I think he was just leg weary, let's be honest. Yeah, could well be. I mean <laughs> playing so much, moving halfway across the world after a year after then after playing for a whole season to then jump straight back into it, yeah. It's a bit of a bit of a tough one really.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Hatati as well, and they, they sort of tapered off towards the end of their first season. So it's quite possible it was the same with him. I'm hoping it is because he does, he does have the ability to pass balls and put them around. And he is comfortable on his left foot. You know what I mean? It, it's, it, night and day comparison with him and Starfelt when the ball's at their feet. He just moves it on so quickly. There's no little stutter just before the ball's kicked, that two or three milliseconds where your heart's in your mouth going, oh, where's this one going? Like, but yeah. like I say, Starfelt again, as a ball winner, he'll he'll not be bullied. He wins the ball and he's fast too. Over over a race you wouldn't beat him, mate. Right? I think Kyogos faster than him, but I can't see there being many other faster than Starfelt on the team, right? So
2: so what areas of the team do you think we need to strengthen this off-season, season, Willie?
1: I think maybe another centre-back, a striker, a second-choice striker and a goalkeeper. The goalkeeper is the one I think we should be looking at as a priority because Joe Hart's deal done in 12 months. Do so you want to get somebody in who can bed in over a 12-month period and get ready? You know, put him in as your keeper for the season or just have him there as the league and European keeper and have Joe Hart as the backup for the cup games I like like the look at Angus Gunn I think he would be a good keeper for us but with Joe Hart he's a great keeper and um, he's done really really well for us but it's like when we we had Craig Gordon and Neil Lennon went out and signed Fraser Forster everyone's like "Ah, why is he getting Fraser Forster back because we've got Craig Gordon Craig Gordon's a good keeper and then after two or three games you're like ah that actually makes sense so I think it's kind of the same with Joe Hart at the minute he is like I say he's a good keeper there's he'll do he'll do for the season if it's to be him then yeah happy days but if we can get somebody else in then i would be looking in that belt, that area i'd be i'd be
2: reaching out to adelaide united going oh okay how about we just do a trade look players we'll, we'll send you Seagrist and you can send us joe gouchy and then gouchy can come and train under joe hart and learn from his namesake so another yeah. joe Segris gets his move to Australia where his missus is based and you're all set. There you go, sorted.
1: I've not seen this joke out yet. How did he just go on about him a few times? He's supposedly quite a good keeper then, is he?
2: Unbelievable. I, I rate him so I reckon he's the best yeah. keeping uh, young goalkeeper coming out of Australia since Matt Ryan. How old is he? I'm like 21 or something like that or 22. Yeah. yeah. yeah so he's on in a five-year deal and he still wouldn't even be at his peak when he's out of that contract.
1: Yeah. Do you think yeah. he would cost much? Uh, not really no nah, I suppose if if, if Tillio's going for a million then he might get like one half. Half, you
2: could probably get him for about the same
1: yeah. if not
2: maybe a little more maybe you get him under two probably easy
1: yeah yeah for I me I don't no I'd like to say I think it's just a position that we could be doing better in and it's just one that's I'll look at and I just say I, Joe you're a great keeper as I say you're a great keeper but I think we can't improve there <laughs>
2: For me as well, I'm looking at the position to, be to strengthen. I've said it on previous Tim talks and that, that with Rogers coming in, he needs a, a quality number 10. I think that's something for him because last time he was here, he had Rogic, who was in the 10, and he had Stu Armstrong, who could push forward and play in the 10 as well, and he had a few other guys rotating that could play there. So at the moment, you've got Hatade move forward into that role. Would Kel-Mac be if we signed another six, would Kelmac be freed up for that role? Would Turnbull sign a long-term deal and get that position or will he be off? Will O'Reilly be at the club long-term to play that role? Who knows? So there's plenty of options there, but we need a European quality number 10 if none of those people are being developed. Say if O'Reilly wants to move and Hattari wants to move and what's called Turnbull's out of contract, then you're basically left with one option move Kelmack forward if you can. Yeah. So I think that's a bit of a priority.
1: I kind of think Hak Haksevanovich could sit in that role too. I don't know how how sort of good he would do it. Is his natural position a winger or what? Some, a lot of people say it. I don't think he's an out-and-out out winger. He may be a number 10. So it'd be interesting to see if he could do that role too. And you know Brendan Rodgers, he, he's a sort of confidence builder. He could actually sort of pep talk you up and just, right, you go out and play that role and all of a sudden you've got a gem in there. Well, he so. did that with Madison at Leicester. Yeah. Madison
2: was a winger, and he developed him into a ten.
1: Yeah, so it, it is something that they keep an eye on. You know what I mean? I think it, if if Rogers does rate him quite highly, then it is a role he could. I think he could fulfil it.
2: Now for the fun questions, Willie. There's four yeah.
1: left, and
2: these are more. This is the part where we can either be done in ten minutes, or we can be here for another forty-five minutes if you want. Yeah. Right. First one we start with. Other than Henrik Larsson. Who would be your all-time favourite Celtic player and why?
1: Paul McStay. Growing up with Paul McStay, he was the captain. He was just an absolute legend of a player. I mean, he won trophies to begin with. And then when we sort of slid into the sort of dark age of the Celtic times, the board was not spending money. He was always there and he was always a shining light during that dark period. Like As a class player, he was tracked by some top clubs in Europe. Just a beautiful left foot in him, ability to beat guys, ability guy take guys on. Wouldn't hide from tackles. Just a great player, great all round player. So, yeah, Paul McStay for me.
2: Love the maestro, and yeah, you've yeah. summed him you up perfectly there. But it's one of them ones for me where he so easily could have left, especially in the dark times of the nineties. But the fact that you know he hung around and is you know Celtic through and through the way he is, it's just what a yeah. guy.
1: Yeah. He's down your way too, is he? Is it Melbourne or Sydney? He's in there. He's down there.
2: Yeah, I wanted, wanted wanted to stalk him, I wanted to meet him in Sydney just give him a cuddle. I didn't even want to photo. I used to say thanks for all the memories and everything you did uh, in the night. Give him a cuddle, yeah. and that. But you know, he he doesn't like being, you know, in the spotlight or anything too much.
1: I'd be a bumbling wreck. I'd just meet him about, uh, 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 um, I wouldn't know what to say or do. It would be one of those moments in your life where you just think, oh, I could have done it so much better. <laughs> It'd
2: be like a, um, a version of like the Carson Dumb and Dumber.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, oh, oh, uh,
2: yeah. yeah brilliant. Those Brilliant. Those listening to the audio version. Go check YouTube out to see Willie's facial expression on that.
1: (laughs) 23
2: minutes in, that's what you're after. Uh, uh, uh. All right. So who would be your top five Celtic players that you have seen play in your lifetime?
1: So McStay, Larson, Neil Lennon, Arthur Boric and Andy Tom. I just loved watching Andy Tom when I was a kid. In the nineties. Right. Wow. Like I say we, we didn't have a great team, and you had the three amigos up. We had we did have a decent team, but we didn't have great results and that. We had the three amigos up front and Andy Tom. He seems to be the forgotten man of that that sort of time. I
2: honestly, think that's the first time Andy Tom has ever been mentioned on coming up on 300 episodes across every show. Tim Talks, Spotlight ones, where we talked to CSCs. I think it's probably the first time he's been en- mentioned on his podcast ever.
1: Yeah. You go, there you go. Eh? There you go. Nah, I just love watching him. He scored that 25-yarder against Rangers. It was just a phenomenal goal. And he scored a, a good few goals for us, whether he was playing out in the right, cutting in or playing through the middle. He, he was a great player and he was a record signing at the time. He came from Leverkusen for over two million, which was a big outlay for us at the time. So I really, really enjoyed watching him play. And Arthur Boric was a legend. I just loved he was just mad. He was absolutely mad as anything. Like, you know what I mean? He interacted with the fans and that. And managers will say to you, just block out the fans, block out the fans. He just seemed to feed off their energy and that. I remember going to a Cali-Thistle game and I had uh, my cousin's wee boy with me and we we're standing on the... He was sat, he was with me and he was stood on the, the, the advertising hoarding behind the goal where the Celtic fans are. And there was another guy with his son to the inside of us and Arthur Boric came running over and picked up the other boy and sort of took him out onto the pitch, got his photo taken him and put him back and me and we Josh were just sitting there looking and just, oh, he was right next to us when he grabbed the boy and I sort of felt so bad because I thought if he'd taken my wee Josh yeah, he would have been brilliant like, would have made his day in that one. Step into the world of power Loyalty Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well,
1: my cousin would have just... i should have been over the moon and so his dad. But, but he, was, he was as mad as a box of frogs, like, blessing himself at Ibrox and that. Like, it's brilliant,
2: love love a mad goalkeeper I think you've got to have something yeah. to be in the skull for to be a yeah. goalkeeper and he was just right up there
1: so yeah, you said yeah. what, what was it saying about a box of frogs there Willie ah, is he's, as mad, he's as mad as a box of frogs I think it was Neil Lennon that described him as that mad, it was the first time I heard it he's as mad as a box of frogs
2: yeah it's similar
1: to one we got out here he's as mad as a cut snake that's an, yeah. that's the
2: Australian version of it there you go yeah uh, uh, uh
1: and the other one, the right. other ones like Larson and McStay but Neil Lennon I give Neil Lennon I mention because he never gave up he was an absolute warrior centre of the park during the Martin O'Neill years and the Gordon mm-hmm. Strachan years I just love watching Lennon play because he just gave everything for sale as a player just a shame it ended the way it did as a manager on the 10 season for him like just because everything else was just brilliant for him
2: you got to compartmentalise Lenny into three different sections that's the way I do yeah. you need yeah. the player Unbelievable, Lenny the manager first stint, great. Lenny the manager second stint, I look at it and go, okay, the the first six months where he came back and you know confirmed the treble, so he won the won the cup and won the won the league after Rogers left. Yeah, if he had a left at that point there, or the following season after giving us the game against away at Lazio in that run in that season, if he had a left at that point he'd still have his legendary status. He would die. The people. There'd be no questions. But that last year, it just tarnished a lot for a lot of people. So that's why I split it up the way I do in my head because I've got to give credit where it's due in terms of playing and then his first stint and everything. But, yeah. And I even give was- credit when he was left about yeah. how he was going on a family holiday. He got the call and his missus turned him around at the airport and sent him back to, back to Parkhead. So.
1: Yeah. I mean that that final season, you, you think it just shows who Lennon was. He just wouldn't give up. You know what I mean? He probably should have said himself, "I'll get. I should give this up. and Let somebody else in here because it's not working." But he he wouldn't give up as a player, and it seems he wouldn't give up as a manager either.
2: And yeah, he won't give up talking about Celtic in the media, talking about oh, yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, Donny Van Der Beek or whatever his name is should come to Celtic, even though from Man United, even though there has been thirty nine million on him, yeah. Um, much a Man United going to want for him when he's got two years on his deal. Yeah. You want a fair chunk of change. So I would like, say so, aye. Things like that, you're just like, Lenny, come on. No, mate. Put the yeah. bucky down. You're okay.
1: It's like that guy who signed for Rangers at Dessers. He said, like, oh, yeah, I had him scouted. for I was at. I scouted? I had him on my offer list. I had him watched at one point. I'm like, oh, did you? Yeah. you? Couldn't
2: have thought of him if you didn't make a move for him. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, We'll get on the next one, Willie. So what are some of the most memorable games that you've seen Celtic play and what's so memorable about those games to you?
1: Yeah, I was lucky enough, like when I was a season ticket holder, it was right in the Gordon Strachan, Neil Lennon era when we were qualifying for the Champions League regularly and and teams were scared to come to Parkhead. So like a few of the games I've written down was the 2-1 Barcelona game. Just everything about that game was was. It's just magical. We we lived. I was actually moved to the Shetland Islands to work, and I met my wife up there. And we came down from Shetland for the game, and we did the stadium tour the day of the game. You could see the TFO display, but you couldn't. You could see what was laid out. You could kind of get an idea what was coming up, and then just being in Glasgow, going out for a meal, and then going up to the game after it. And, Watching us beat Barcelona, like you know, what I mean, this is this is the all-conquering Barcelona Pep Guardiola side. I know it was Tito Tito Vanellana Vanua, can't remember the guy's name now. It was the by like, Pep Guardiola had left, but it was still the same all-conquering side that was there—the chavis the Iniestas, Messi. Jesus, you can just keep going, naming them, or naming them. Yeah, uh, it was just how did we manage to beat them? I just will never get it. But the the, the most one of the things that sticks out for that is my wife has never, ever been to a football match in her life. She grew up in Slovenia in, in the Balkans and handball's her main sport over there. She'd never even watched guys kicking a football around the pitch or that. And at the end of the game, I turned around and said, well, that's it. There's no point in you ever going to another football match as long as you live because you'll never, ever, ever top that for a night. You'll never top that atmosphere and nothing. Like, it was just so special. It was unbelievable. Did you? How did you? How did was it received down there with you guys? Like, it
2: was a weird one because it was during the week, so it was like work morning. So I'm trying to remember the time it would have been about a six AM kickoff, I think, or a five, uh, about five thirty kickoff or something like
1: that.
2: Yeah, so the game would have been over by about seven thirty, eight o'clock, and it's like okay, game's over. Don't get to celebrate too much. You've Got to get in the car and get to work. Yeah. Uh. Absolutely, <laughs> like, the uh, emotion, like the adrenaline, and oh my god, we're gonna win, we're gonna win, and then you just suddenly yeah. like driving to work, and then you sit at your desk and you're doing some stuff, and it's like
1: uh, uh, all, all wears off, and you suddenly crash. Bit, like, it, like, I, uh, I yeah, just yeah. Tony Watt running up the pitch, like nudging the wife, going, This is it, this is it, and she's like, What's what, what's happening? And, like, and then Tony Watt scores, and just the whole place erupts. right going to the supermarket the day after when we arrived and we'll check out the checkout. I've got my big puffer Celtic jacket on because it was like cold winter and that and the woman is, oh, at the checkout, she's a Celtic fan. She's like, oh, what an atmosphere the other night. Did you watch it on the TV? And we were like, no, oh, no, no, we were there. And she's like, oh no, get out of here, get out of here. Didn't want to speak to us then. She was all jealous and that. It was
2: brilliant. Man. you got no shopping Willie, you're told to get out. I
1: oh, yeah, was basically it. Like the old Tesco said, get out. Yeah. There's a few yeah. other games too in that Champions League run, there was the Milan 2 1 game. We beat the current reigning Champions League holders at the time. Came to town, they had Kaka, they had Ambrosini, they had um, Dida and Goals. They had, they had a pretty good team, mate. Right? And um, Kaka scored a penalty. McDonald scored first and then Kaka scored a penalty.
2: I was going to say, it's under Gordon, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. McDonald scored, yeah. In the last minutes, I'd love the last minute of goals at Celtic Park, don't they? Like, you know what I mean? It was a, a late winner from McDonald. Last year, the player came on the pitch. My uncle's, well, it was with my uncle. It was the first game I ever went to with my uncle. And he said, like, "Imagine what? Look, look, look. Everyone's celebrating. I'm looking at all the fans going mad around the stadium. And my uncle's like, look. And the guy comes on the pitch and gives Dida the wee tap in the face. And then Dida goes down and he's injured. And it's just like, eh, what's going on here? Like, that was a, that was a that was another great night. It just rained relentlessly the whole night. We got absolutely saturated, and then there was I think that same group we played Shakhtar. And it was another game where we we won two one. Massimo Donati scored a late late goal. That was another phenomenal night. Yeri Yarishek scored an absolute peach to make to, to level the score. I think there was a mistake in defense, wasn't it? Was it? I think somebody headed the ball out to the Shakhtar, and Shakhtar got an early goal. And then Yara, shit, he just volleyed in a, an absolute peach of a goal to get us back on terms. And then I think it was another one. them last striker the, in the match, it was Marcel Modinati, another name from the past. There's
2: names on this podcast, Willie, that haven't I been said very often, like Yuri Yaroshik and stuff like that. There you go.
1: Yeah. Ah, there's been some 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 really good Champions League nights, but there's also some like there was a three nil. Victory against Rangers, but the one that really sticks out for me was the two-one game where scored in the ninety-sixth minute. I was that—that was my first old firm game. It was an old firm game. It was before they died, so um, it was an old firm game. And I remember Nakamura lining up to take a shot, and I was like, "He's not going to shoot from there." And he just absolutely ripped the net from about forty yards, which is phenomenal. As a first mm-hmm. half of, as a first half of football goes, we absolutely pummeled Rangers in that first half from start to finish, it just relentless. Like, And then Natural Novo came out in the second half and scored. I think it was like five, ten minutes into the second half and it was like, oh, this is slipping away. This was slipping away. And it's just, we had to win. There was no ifs or bats. We were like seven points behind with seven games to go. We had to win that game. And we did. Hesslink scored 96th minute. Um, like the cheer, the eruption, the noise was just he thought that the roof was going to cave in in the place but one of the loudest noises off the night was actually the sound of the Rangers fans seats clicking as they were all starting to sit down again knowing that this league was slipping away from them and the pendulum of power was shifting from one end of Glasgow to the other it was, oh, it was a great night like one I'll never forget Like as long as I live like, it'll be there forever more etched in my mind like,
2: That's good and we'll go to the last question here for you Willie so other than Messi and Ronaldo. Okay, so we'll take them two off the table. Yep. Just imagine this situation. Celtic has no issues with money. You can spend as much money on a transfer as you want, as much money on wages as you want, and every player has to say yes to come into the club. Who would be the one player, other than Messi and Ronaldo, that you've seen play in your lifetime and wish that they would have signed for Celtic?
1: Right, this is a little bit left field but it would be Gigi Buffon, the goalkeeper. Because growing up, I was a goalkeeper when I played in school and I played in goals. And we had Paki Bonner, who was a decent keeper for us, but the pass-back rule kind of killed his career. He couldn't do it after that, and he aged badly towards the end. And then in came Carl Magraton and Gordon Marshall and Stuart Kerr, and none of them were very good. Jonathan Gould came in after that, and he was okay. He, he added a bit of seriousness to it, like, right? but and then big Rob Douglas came in after that, and it's just like, Jesus, this is bad, like, you know what I mean? So, for me, Gigi Buffon, I think, is a phenomenal keeper. I was at the Juventus game when we played Juventus in the last 32 of the, the Champions League, and watching him, like, see his warm up. A lot of the keepers will do little throws. And they'll do kicks back and forth. He he's volleying balls back to straight back to the hands of the coach and that. Just he's throwing it from the eighteen yard box and he's on the edge of the, the penalty box and he's just volleying them straight back into his hands and that. Just phenomenal to watch. It's an all round class goalkeeper. And I think yep. with Martin O'Neill, if Martin O'Neill had a class goalkeeper, we could have done a lot more in Europe. I think we would have won in Seville. And I think we could've gone deeper into the Champions League than we did
2: have to agree with you on that Buffon, class player. Yeah. Um yeah, my brother loved Italian football growing up. So seeing him even when he was at Palmer back in the days you could tell he was going to be something special back then. So
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah you just forget
1: to... how many clubs he's been to and like how long he was in the game. Like you know what I mean? He was it's just the clubs. Just, he's been, yeah, he has been around for so long, you know what I mean? It was just yeah.
2: Phenomenal People, like yeah Goalkeepers for you, Willie. So, um, yeah, yeah. What we'll do is, um, I think we'll leave the uh, Tim Talk Pod there. We have had a good little uh, chat there, Willie. So, yeah. thanks for getting on and giving us a bit of info about yourself as a Celtic fan and all that sort of stuff. And if you want to let everyone where they can know where they can find you on Twitter, go for it. Um, our social media channels are on the screen below. So, Celtic down on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and YouTube, you can just look us up. Celtic Down Under. You'll find us on there. You can find us on your podcast apps too, but Willie, where can everyone find you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, Willie Innes two at Willie Innes two on Twitter. If you really want to put my tag name, it's Will I Am, I Am, I Am, I Am. Mm-hmm. So that that may be a bit hard for you to spell out, but I'm on, I'm on there. I don't really get much interaction on Twitter, so if you do want to interact with me on Twitter, please do because it's you're a lonely place when I go on there sometimes.
2: <laughs> get on there, everyone. Help Willie grow his uh, his subscriber accounts, followers, and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so whenever our shows go live, you get notified. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for, for uh, tuning in. Thanks, Willie, again. And hail, hail.
1: Hail, hail.
0: Podcast Network.